Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. The Peter Schiff Show. I am recording today's podcast from my cabin on a cruise ship, which is right now docked on the Dutch island of Corso, which is about 35 miles uh, north of Venezuela. You know, I've never actually been to this island, you know, even though I live in the Caribbean now in Puerto Rico, there are still many places in the Caribbean that I have not visited. And, you know, I really wish I'd come here sooner. Uh, I had no idea how beautiful this island was. Not really the beaches so much, although I'm sure they are uh, equally spectacular because I didn't go to the beach. I just spent the day walking around town, but it's probably the most charming uh, Caribbean island that I've been to as far as the architecture and the way uh, the the main town is laid out, just how beautiful the streets are and the buildings and how clean they are and uh, the architecture. It really seems like a nice place to live if you're going to be living here in the Caribbean. I think there's about 160,000 people, which is the permanent population of the island. Uh, Maybe not the greatest place tax-wise for Americans. I mean, Puerto Rico is still a much better alternative, but if you're not an American, uh, I think they do have some tax incentives down here. Uh, I think if you are a retiree and you're over 50, you can qualify for a 10% tax on all of your your income uh, from retirement type sources. So uh, those are probably some added incentives to be here. I'll probably come back and visit uh, uh, now that I know how lovely this place is. So if you haven't been here, you should definitely put it on your list of places to visit uh, in the Caribbean. But I want to spend my limited time on today's podcast talking about the Federal Reserve's decision today and the press conference. I did get back on the boat in time to watch the press conference live, and I do want to limit today's podcast to that discussion. Again, as I said before I embarked on this trip, the internet on the boat is very slow, so I have no idea how long it's going to take to actually upload uh, today's podcast. So I want to just be focused on uh, the Fed and the market's reaction to the Fed and not really opine on other topics, which I would normally do and which I will resume doing when I am back uh, at my home in Puerto Rico next week. Well, anyway, before the Fed announced its decision on interest rates, which, of course, nobody expected a rate hike, and we did not get a rate hike, but before the Fed announced today's decision, the markets were on the defensive because earlier in the day, uh, Donald Trump had mentioned that he expected or maybe he now thinks that the tariffs on Chinese imports or on Americans who want to buy Chinese imports may remain in effect 
for a much longer period of time, indicating that maybe this great trade deal is not as close as the president was letting on in the past. And so the market sold off, and I think the Dow maybe at the lows was down about, I don't know, 170 some odd points. Not exactly sure, because I was, you know, kind of casually glancing at the quotes as I was walking around uh, uh, the island. But then when the Fed announced its lack of a hike, the market erased all of those losses. And I think at one point we were up close to triple digits. I don't know if the market ever got up over 100, uh, but we were up uh, certainly at least 50 points. And, you know, nobody was, again, expecting a hike. I think they were expecting the Fed to be dovish, but I don't think they were expecting the Fed to be this dovish. Because not only did the Fed indicate that it's not likely to raise interest rates in 2019. In fact, I think the Fed basically said there's not going to be any rate hikes in 2019, but they're now saying that they only expect one rate hike in 2020. Now, I think they're wrong there. I don't think the Fed is going to hike rates at all in 2020. If anything, they will be cutting rates, but they may not be cutting them in 2020 because by the time we get to 2020, rates could already be at zero because they would have reduced them to zero in 2019, uh, which would mean no more room to cut rates in 2020. But in addition to its dovish stance on future rate hikes or the lack thereof, the Fed basically admitted that it's you know much publicized and hyped up normalization of its balance sheet, where the Fed is going to be draining down its balance sheet by $50 billion a month, that this is going to come to an end over the summer. I think maybe they said September of this year, the Fed will completely finish its balance sheet reduction. So whatever the size of the balance sheet is, and right now it's still about $4 trillion. I think we're slightly below $4 trillion. But we're probably not going to make much headway between now and September. So pretty much for all the talk about normalizing their balance sheet and shrinking it back down to the size that it was before the 2008 financial crisis, the Fed didn't even get anywhere close. Now, of course, this is what I was saying from the very beginning. The fact that the Fed is getting increasingly more dovish does not surprise me at all. The only thing that surprises me is how long it took for the Fed to get here. And again, as I've said on my podcast before, the only reason I think it took this long was because of the election of Trump. I think this pushed back uh, these uh, admissions by a couple of years as the Fed was able to take cover in all the enthusiasm uh, that resulted from Trump making America great again and the tax cuts and all the stimulus and all the uh, the positive outlooks for change and all that. So this was able to elongate the process. But even before then, I'm surprised that before Trump was elected, that the Fed was able to delay uh, the inevitable for as long as they did. But unfortunately, they were able to do that. And the reason why I say it's so unfortunate is because the added time period comes at great cost because all of the underlying problems got much, much worse 
as the Fed was able to successfully kick the can down the road. And so now we have a much bigger problem. We have a much bigger crisis in our future as this problem comes to a head. You know, when the Fed finally has to go back to zero, when the Fed has to go back to QE4, which they're still not admitting that they're going to do. I mean, the Fed is still putting a bright uh, picture on the economy. I mean, as dovish as the Fed is getting about its monetary policy, it is still very optimistic on the U.S. economy. I mean, the Fed is never going to admit that it's worried about the economy. It's never going to forecast a recession. The Fed is not going to acknowledge how weak the economy is until we're already officially in a recession, which means that we'll probably be in the recession for a couple of quarters, right, before it's officially declared. And then the Fed can admit that we are in a recession. Now, of course, I think this recession is going to be very long and I think it's going to be very severe. So I think we're going to be in the recession for many, many years subsequent to the Fed's finally acknowledging that we're there. I mean, sometimes people think, oh, by the time the Fed admits it's a recession, it's already over. Well, this time the recession is going to be so long and so deep that that's not going to happen. I mean, the Fed is going to acknowledge the recession early in the process. And of course, its own policies are going to make that recession much, much worse. In fact, as I was listening to the reporting on CNBC uh, following the Fed's decision, one analyst after another is coming on basically applauding the Fed uh, for how smart they are and how great they are with for their policy and for being patient and what they're doing. And to a person, nobody acknowledges the problem here. The Fed is not um, getting it right. What the Fed is doing now just proves how much they got wrong in the past. The reason the Fed had to abort the process prematurely is because they couldn't finish it. The reason they had to stop raising rates was because they couldn't keep raising them because we have too much debt. The reason they had to call off the reduction of their balance sheet was because they can't do it. The Fed can't do what they were pretending they were going to be able to do the entire time. And it was this false belief, right? It was the fact that the Fed was able to successfully engender a belief among you know, global investors and currency traders that not only was the Fed's policy a success, but that it could be wound down successfully. It wasn't just that lowering interest rates to zero worked, but that they had the ability to normalize them. And it wasn't just that QE worked, right? Expanding their balance sheet was a success, but that they could unwind it, right? They could take the training wheels off the bike when uh, the rider no longer needed them. And of course, I said from the beginning that none of this was possible. You know, it was like trying to claim that you could get drunk and then stop drinking, but, you know, stay high, right? The reality is that, you know, once the alcohol wears off, you know, you, you know, you're not high anymore, right? You're hung over and the hangover is exactly where we are headed. But the markets still haven't figured this out, right? The markets still believe that everything is fine. They still think that the future for the economy is bright. They haven't connected the dots and they should be very obvious that the future is not bright because the past mistakes that the Fed made, right? People still think that the trajectory, the future trajectory of the economy is, is strong, but they don't understand that the past efficacy of Fed policy 
was not what they believe. The Fed did not create a sustainable recovery. They simply inflated a bubble, and the air is already coming out of that bubble. That is why the Fed has made these changes. That is why it did the 180-degree switch. That is why the Fed is now patient. It's not because circumstances have changed. That's just the excuse that I knew they would come up with you know, from the very beginning when they had to uh, turn around. Now, of course, they're not going to tell the truth. They're not going to fess up to why they're doing this. You need to figure it out on your own. Now, very few investors are going to figure it out. They are going to get blindsided when the economy goes into recession and when the Fed goes back to zero and when the Fed launches QE4. And of course, initially, people still won't get it. They still might think, oh, well, you know, this is just something that happened. Some, un, you know, unpredictable thing happened. The global economy, something happened abroad. And well, now we're back in recession. And so the Fed now has to go back to zero. But don't worry, when this recession is over, oh, we'll normalize interest rates. And oh, after the Fed blows its balance sheet up to $6 trillion or $8 trillion, wherever it's going to go, or $10 trillion, oh, well, then we're going to shrink it. There may be some people that try to articulate that or might believe that, but I think uh, their number will be small and it will be quickly overwhelmed by people who finally get it, right? They will have ultimately or finally connected those dots and realize that they were fooled before and they're not going to be fooled again and that the Fed is not going to succeed in inflating a bigger bubble in assets. It is going to prick the bubble in the U.S. dollar. Now, the stock market after that initial rally that we had, the stock market actually sold off. The Dow finished down about 140 points today. It didn't make a new low from before uh, the you know, more dovish than expected uh, you know, Fed statement, but it did finish the day negative, which I think is an important factor uh, in letting people know that there isn't a lot of upside left in the stock market as a result of the Fed's capitulation on future rate hikes. So I think the bear market rally that the Fed created with that unexpected policy shift has pretty much run its course and that there's really nothing the Fed can do uh, on this path to get the markets to go higher. Because if the markets were going to go higher, today was the perfect opportunity for that to happen. Getting a even more dovish uh, position from the Fed, where the Fed is saying, not only are we doing no rate hikes in 2019, but we may only do one rate hike in 2020, and we're going to end quantitative tightening in September, this should have really rally the market if there was anything left to the rally. But the fact that they sold off on this news, again, tells me that the upside in the U.S. stock market is limited. Uh, the downside, of course, is not, although it is limited in the sense that once the Fed goes to zero, once the Fed goes to QE4, uh, then the Fed can put a floor beneath the market. But it tells me that that is where we're going. We are gonna, we're going to ultimately see the Fed making that policy shift in order to stop the market from falling or to try to stimulate us out of this coming recession. But while the upside in the market is limited, the downside in the dollar is not. Now, the dollar was lower today following uh, the Fed's announcement. Dollar index was down 
0.62, about 95.76, I think, is where we close the day. The dollar was relatively flat or I think a little bit higher on the day prior to the news. And so the dollar did sell off, but it didn't collapse. But the collapse is coming, right? The currency traders are still like gears in the headlight here. They still don't fully comprehend the gravity of what's going on. Because remember, the Fed is is playing its cards pretty close to the vest. I mean, it's not really showing its hand here uh, at what it's ultimately going to do, which is back to zero in QE4. The markets don't know that yet, but the dollar is still falling. But as more people start to figure it out, the dollar will fall more. And of course, it's going to fall through the floor once the Fed has to come clean and lay down its cards. Gold, of course, did the opposite thing. Gold was down a few dollars uh, before the Fed announcement and gold stocks across the board were lower on the day. And then as soon as the Fed made its announcement, the price of gold turned. We're up about eight bucks on the day. We closed just off the high of the day. I think about 13, 14 on change on the price of gold. Gold stocks were all again closing near the highs of the day, but not spectacular moves. Uh, The GDXJ, which is the junior gold miners, only up about 2.7%. The GDX, Seniors only up about two and a quarter percent. So not big moves up uh, in the price of gold stocks. But I do think that we're going to see some follow through both tomorrow and later in the week uh, based on the you know more dovish uh, comments coming out of the Fed. Now, you know, one of the reasons that Powell is so patient or one of the justifications for the Fed being patient is the fact that the the Fed is not concerned about inflation, or at least inflation running too much above its 2% target. And one of the reasons that the Fed cites for not being concerned about inflation is the oil price, right? They keep talking about how oil prices have come down and how they think that that is going to be a headwind for uh, inflation, uh, but that it will only be transitory. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't think that, you know, we're, we're going to have a permanent a downward pressure, but he thinks that we're going to have some downward pressure. Meanwhile, what is being ignored is the fact that oil prices are already up 33% so far this year. And, you know, it's only March. We're not even finished with the quarter, and we're up 33% on the year. We closed above $60 a barrel. Uh, This is the highest we've been all year, and we're going a lot higher. I mean, I think that we can easily hit $80 a barrel by the end of the year. And if we go much above 80, because oil prices ended last year at 45, I mean, if we hit $90 a barrel, which is certainly possible, especially if we get some weakness in the dollar, which I do expect to happen. And so if the dollar does roll over here, I think that $90 oil is certainly doable in this calendar year, which would effectively mean that oil prices will have doubled. And obviously, what is that going to do to the CPI? I mean, if you're so sanguine about inflation because you're talking about falling oil prices that aren't even falling, they were only falling at the tail end of 2018. And in fact, before the fourth quarter of last year, oil prices were rising. The only reason they tanked was because everybody believed the Fed was going to get very aggressive on rate hikes. 
when they thought they were going to raise rates three or four times in 2019, when they thought that quantitative tightening was going to be on autopilot for the entirety of 2019. That's the only reason that we got that relief in oil prices. And now the Fed is saying, oh, because of that, oh, we don't have to raise interest rates. So now they've called off the rate hikes which were the reason that oil prices went down. Well, now oil prices are surging higher because the Fed has called off those hikes. So whatever relief that the Fed thought we were going to get on the inflation front is gone. And you know we're going to see uh, rising consumer prices. In fact, even as the U.S. economy slows down, and the Fed is still reluctantly admitting that growth will be slower this year, let's say, than it was last year, right? but the Fed is still looking for growth, it doesn't think it's going to have inflation much above 2%. What we're actually going to see is inflation accelerating. I think even the way the government measures it as growth is shrinking. So growth is going to be much lower than the Fed believes, but inflation is going to be much higher. And what investors will eventually have to come to terms with is the fact that there's nothing the Federal Reserve is going to be able to do about a growing inflation threat because it's not going to have the ability to fight inflation because it's not going to be able to raise interest rates to do it because we have too much debt. And also, in order for the Fed to shrink the money supply, which is something that is going to be necessary to try to fight inflation, they're going to have to start selling off their uh, treasury holdings. And you know, one of the points that came up in today's Q&A was the fact that the maturity of the Fed's balance sheet had been lengthening, right? Meaning that the the the, the bonds that the Fed had been you know winding off or were the shorter term. And so the duration of the bonds that the Fed is holding is getting longer and longer and longer. And so Powell was asked if he was doing this on purpose, right? If the Fed's plan was to try to put downward pressure on the yield curve. And by the way, when the Fed's uh, announcement came out today, yields plunged across the spectrum. But now the yield curve is already inverted all the way out to, I think, about seven years. So a five-year Treasury note has a lower yield than the Fed funds rate. So obviously, the market is starting to price in rate cuts, even though the Fed is saying we're going to be flat, no rate hikes for 2019, and a rate hike in, in, in 2020, the markets are already saying, no way, we're expecting a rate cut. Now, what the markets don't realize is it's not just a rate cut. We're going all the way back to zero. Right. The markets still haven't figured that out, but at least they know they now know that the next move that the Fed's going to make is going to be a cut. But getting back to uh, the duration of their portfolio, um, Powell was asked about whether or not he was doing this for some particular policy. And basically, Powell said, no, you know, we haven't made that decision yet. We don't have any kind of plan. We're not trying to push down the balance sheet. So he basically punted and said, look, we're we've left that discussion to another day. And Basically, I believe that the main reason that the Fed is holding on to those longer dated treasuries is because it knows nobody wants to buy them. So it's basically the bag holder when it comes to these longer dated maturities, because 
if the dollar tanks or when the dollar tanks and inflation picks up, those are the securities uh, that are going to deliver the biggest losses to holders because the uh, the maturities is so much longer. Inflation affects a long-term bond much more than it affects a short-term bond because you're stuck with the paper for a longer period of time. Now, of course, you could sell it, but then somebody has to be willing to buy it. And now that new owner will be stuck with that piece of paper. And so this is going to complicate uh, the Fed's uh, ability to fight inflation because in order to do that, it will have to shrink its balance sheet. And if its balance sheet is disproportionately made up or comprised of long-term treasuries and it has to sell those, well, it's going to sell them for a huge loss, number one. It's going to take a big haircut on those treasuries, which you know basically makes the Fed insolvent. But as it tries to unload those bonds, it's going to push long-term interest rates up even higher, exacerbating the size of its losses when it liquidates these bonds in order to buy back its notes to try to shrink down the money supply uh, to fight uh, inflation, which is another reason why the Fed may choose not to do that. See, that is the position that the Fed is ultimately going to be in, right? Either it tries to stop inflation from running out of control because it kept interest rates so low for so long, right? And now it has to slam on the brake with massive rate hikes uh, and a huge financial crisis that dwarfs what we had in 2008, where nobody gets bailed out, where everybody fails, right? Everybody is going to have huge losses because of the severity of this downturn. And because the Fed, rather than coming to the rescue uh, with you know, more money printing is going to be uh, the, the architect of the collapse. The Fed is actually going to be worsening the problem, right? As the banks are failing, the Fed is going to have to be tightening on money supply. And if the Fed is tightening up on money supply, well, you know, how is the government going to bail anybody out? In fact, Fed monetary policy in order to fight inflation would actually force the government to cut spending and increase taxes or some combination of contractionary fiscal policy to deal with the tight monetary policy that the Fed is forcing down the economy belatedly uh, to try to uh, put out the inflation fire. But because the politics of that are going to be so difficult, the Fed may just let inflation run wild, which is what I'm betting. And what the Fed is going to do about inflation is just have an open mouth policy where it's going to talk about fighting inflation, but never actually fight it. So initially they claim that it's transitory or it's good for us until the markets finally realize that that's not the case. Uh, and, and and then they'll talk about, well, if it ever gets too much, we'll, we'll, we'll certainly uh, do something about it, which is all going to be bluff. It's all going to be bark. It's going to be no bite. And again, eventually the markets are going to push it to the point where they're going to figure this out. And then we're going to have runaway inflation. We're going to have hyperinflation. And politically, of course, this is a complete disaster uh, because this can all play out over a very, very short period of time. Certainly the beginning of this could play out over the next couple of years and the economy could be so weak and the increase in the cost of living so great that uh, the politics are lousy. And instead of getting just a Barack Obama type Democrat, we're going to get somebody much, much worse. And people really don't appreciate how bad a president Barack Obama was and how much damage was actually done to the economy during the eight years he was president because 
all of it happened within the context of the bubble. The Fed was able to keep interest rates really low. People were buying the dollar. And so the big, fat, ugly bubble got bigger and bigger. And that helped obscure a lot of the problems that were being created during the eight years of Obama. Now, none of those problems have been solved by Donald Trump. We were simply able to expand the bubble even bigger to make to you know make it even harder to see some of those problems, but they're all going to get exposed when this bubble pops and unfortunately they're all going to be blamed on Trump and what Trump stands for, capitalism and tax cuts and deregulation. And so just like the bursting of the 08 bubble gave us Barack Obama, Uh, The bursting of this bubble is going to give us another Democratic president. Whoever the Democrats nominate is going to be the next president. And, of course, they're going to nominate a socialist because probably only a socialist could get the domination uh, given uh, the attitudes of today's uh, Democratic Party. So the politics, the economics could not be worse uh, at this particular time. Anyway, I want to cut the podcast short. Hopefully it doesn't take too long for this thing to be uploaded. And I will be back again, I think, with regular podcasts uh, next week once I get back from the cruise. Unless, of course, something really extraordinary happens uh, over the next couple of days. Uh, then again, I might uh, put out another podcast before the cruise comes to an end. <music>